This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 133, Taking Stock. In this episode, I've got some knitting, spinning and sewing, and a little tale for you about taking stock. But of course, we will kick this episode off with some updates. So I actually have finished all of the stuff I set out to finish when I last recorded two weeks ago. So that's pretty cool. I've been uh, busy as all get out trying to get my house ready for Thanksgiving because uh, the boy decided that we were going to host here this year because he wants to actually smoke the turkey. And that's pretty cool. But that also means that I have a lot of, you know, company house cleaning to do, which isn't a bad thing. I don't, I don't mind hosting because I definitely, you know, move small appliances and clean behind things that I don't get to on a regular basis when I'm maintaining this home of mine. And Yeah, so it's already started. So Itty Bitty literally got here from Wyoming today, probably about 30 minutes ago, which is pretty cool. And I'm happy to have her home for a little while. She's actually going to be here for a whole week. And she's not the only one. My Tanya is coming into town. She'll get here Sunday. And she also works remotely for her full-time job. So she will spend the weekend driving, get here on Sunday afternoon, and then work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and take the rest of the weekend off for the holiday. So that's pretty cool. And Bird, unfortunately, this is a busy time of year because she works in an organization that is dependent on product sales. So they actually have a lot of holiday events going on that she has to work. So she's literally just going to get here on Wednesday evening and then leave on Thursday night, which is unfortunate. But she's only an hour away, so that's not so bad. Itty Bitty's three hours away where she is in Wyoming. So yeah, I've been getting the house ready. I've been finishing a lot of stuff that I set out to finish because my Tanya's going to be here. I got that wheel packaged and ready to go to be an early Christmas gift for her that she can't open until the day after, you know, the turkey's been consumed because that's how it goes around this household, (laughs) but it's ready. So ready, packaged, she can open that on Friday. And yeah, I'm feeling super accomplished. I got the inventory taken care of, and there's really just been a lot going on, and it's been pretty great. I feel super accomplished, which doesn't always happen, so I'm totally living that up. Well, it looks like that's just about all I've got going on in updates, so I guess it's time to get this podcast started. And now it is on to Spin a Tale. And in this edition, I am going to tell you about taking stock. Now, this isn't one of those metaphoric taking stock, you know, doing an inventory of my life and all that kind of stuff. This is a literal taking stock of the inventory of lease that I have in my collection. Yeah, so I did sort and inventory all of my fleece. I found a handful of fleeces I didn't realize that I had, and I failed to find fleeces that I thought I had which was quite the bummer. I mean, seriously, I have exactly zero Merino fleeces. I thought that at one point I literally had to say, 
I'm not buying any more Merino. I have too much, but I don't. I have one Merino Corydale Cross that was actually half a fleece that me and my Tanya bought at Maryland Sheep and Wool probably in 2014 or 2015. And that bad boy was huge. It was like a 10 pound fleece. When we laid it out to split it, it like filled the entire floor of like a 10 by 12 room. It was humongous. So that's the only Merino I have in my entire stash. I can't believe I don't, I thought I had like four or five and like, oh my gosh, you need to stop buying Merino and diversify. Nope, just the one. I was absolutely completely shocked that that was all the Merino in my stash was the one Merino Cordell Cross. Yeah. And yeah, so when I, I had a list in my phone of all the fleece types that I had, the breeds that I had fleeces from, and there is one, two, three, four, five fleeces that I didn't have at all on that list, and then two that I had to remove. I found a Cotswold, a Romney, some Angora goat, and that Merino Corydale, and an Australian bond that I totally forgot that I had in my collection of fleeces. Yeah. And so they're on the list now. The damage is not as bad as I thought, though. I did remove two. So in this last move, what was that? Six years ago, when I had my house in Maryland packed up and shipped out to Colorado, I individually sealed all of my fleeces in like space bags and sucked all the air out. The goal was one, they wouldn't have any additional air exposure. Two, they also would not jostle around as much in packing. Like they, I ran the risk of them getting compacted, but not felted, if that makes sense. So my fear was, is if I just left them the way that they were, they would not only be compacted, but they would also get jostled around and rubbed around so much that they would felt and then I would lose all my fleeces. So the space bag method of packing them in space bags and sealing them off actually worked. So I cracked every single one of them open when I first moved out here. Didn't inventory them at the time. But except for I had two kid mohair fleece that are gone now because they were actually, all my stuff was actually in storage for seven months before we moved into this house. And thankfully I had them all sealed in those, their individual space bags because the two kid mohair fleece that I got, apparently at the time that I purchased them had moth eggs in them. And inside their space bags, those moth eggs turned into larvae. And in fact, like there were so many, but they were all deceased by the time I got the fleeces unpacked out of the boxes that they had been stored in for seven months because they were sealed in those plastic bags. I was so, so super duper thankful because I didn't lose any additional fleece. And as far as I can tell, those fleece already had moth eggs in them when I purchased them because that's the only way. And my Tanya was there too. We got those at Black Sheep Gathering and she lost her kid mohair from the same breeder for the same reason. So we kind of got duped when we bought those fleeces and they were not freshly sealed. So we kind of, we both lost them and all those eggs hatched when they were in storage. Those are the only two that I actually had to remove, which is great, but I did add five to my little list. And one of the things that I also figured out is out of my total, let me count real quick, 14 fleeces and like five of those are already cleaned and ready to go. And I pick the one I'm going to uh, process 
and spin already. So apparently of those five fleeces, I actually had picked one. It's a beautiful silver gotland and I already combed a bunch of it, not a bunch. I combed a few samples of it and spun those samples and the yarn is absolutely beautiful. And those little samples were sitting there on top of the fleece bag. So it's a clean fleece already. So that's like half the processing. I'm going to cart it and spin it and I'm super happy. And I am confident enough to be able to do that. Thanks, Aunt Maggie. The next thing that I need to really do when it comes to keeping the momentum and focusing on and improving my spinning and spinning with intent is to get all those fleece washed. And I think the only way I can envision that being realistic is not like the power weekend like I did with the alpaca fleece that I only got halfway done, but like one a week, just one a week, get those washed and ready to go. And yeah, so uh, I it's probably it's probably more realistic for me to say one every two weeks, maybe starting in January, is a more realistic goal for getting all my wool fleeces processed and clean and ready to do something with. So I'm super excited about that. But I'm going to start spinning on that gauntlet really soon. So I'm excited, super stoked. And that is me taking stock of my wool fleece. And now it is on to spinning my wheels and I have been busy. So in between all of those other obligatory things that I have been doing, like deep cleaning my house, I actually had to assemble two guest rooms because they were, yeah, pretty messed up from uh, previous visits and relocating items and things like that, like moving rooms around. Like when I um, set up my home office, my legit home office for remote work, uh, a bunch of stuff that was in that other bedroom ended up on the guest bed in the big guest room. So yeah, so that kind of stuff has been taking away from my crafting time, but I have actually gotten quite a bit done. So right now, as I record this, I am finishing up the crown decreases on the second new hat pattern. I convinced myself when I was recording last time that what I just needed to do was finish the hat, right? Just finish the hat, see what you like and don't like about it. And it is a, like a work in progress kind of sample. So I'll be done with that today, which is so cool because I'm actually probably by the time I'm done recording, I'll be done with it. And that's awesome. I still love this yarn. I'm knitting this sample in the Farm Twist color roasted pecan. It's beautiful and I absolutely love it. And I made like an entire shawl out of it. So beautiful. It's so soft and just the color is beautiful and it shows off texture really, really well. So I'm not sure if you remember. <laughs> It's been actually a minute since I talked about this. My plan is by the end of this year to design three hats and release them in January. I think I wanted to release them in the fall, but that just didn't happen because I got, you know, delayed by, by this and that. The broken hip thing kind of put a big damper on those plans. But yes, so I'm working on hat two of three for a winter release and it's coming along nicely and I'm pretty happy about it. Okay. And... I'm actually going to finish the weekender by the time I record next. I am on, I divided for the front and back of and shoulders, and I am almost done with the front portion. So once you finish the, like, lots of stack and net stitch for the body, you divide, do the front and the back, and 
the shoulders and then join it at the top of the shoulders before you move on to the sleeves. And I've never had an issue with the whole sleeve island thing. So I should be able to power through that pretty, pretty quickly. And I think by the end of this weekend, I will have joined the shoulders and be ready to go on the sleeves. So I'm super excited. And I will tell you like in full detail about all the yarn and all of my follies and all that stuff by the time I finish it for the next episode. So I should be totally ready to talk about that. The scarf, you know, it's gotten a little bit of attention here and there. Like I said, that is my travel knitting pattern. You know, when we go to friends' houses, we're just hanging out. I'll knit at the table because it's easily memorized and I don't, I'm not at all worried about messing up any of the stitch pattern. And, you know, on Tequila Tuesday or Taco Tuesday, whichever you prefer to call it, I'll take that to the restaurant with B while we sit there and BS with friends and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's got some attention and that's made me happy. That's really what I've got going on in knitting. So sewing. Yeah. So I mentioned the fact that I decided that I needed a table runner for the fall. And I not only decided what I was going to make, but I started it and finished it last weekend. How cool is that? I essentially, I didn't follow a pattern. I essentially just did several searches on Pinterest and found some inspiration in some table runner patterns that are out there. And then I kind of improvised my own design. So I decided not to quilt it because I didn't have, and I was also trying to sew this out of my stash. I did not have the backing fabric that I thought that I had, and I did not want to go and buy new fabric for it. So essentially, it is the piece of that unbleached cotton, thick, rustic, muslin-y stuff. I don't even know if it qualifies as a muslin, but it's a woven cotton that's unbleached and kind of rustic looking, and it's pretty. I really like it. There's some pictures of it, the whole finished table runner and the fabric on my Instagram feed, if you are so inclined to go over there and check that out. But then I cut out several fall leaves and then machine applique those to the runner fabric and then finished it with a simple zigzag stitch around the edge so, to keep it from fraying. And I'm super pleased with it. I think it goes really well with my table centerpiece and I'm super stoked. Look at me, starting and finishing a whole project in a weekend. Boom, spinning. So I have done a whole ton of spinning because, like I said, some of my crafting time has been stolen from me. But what I did manage to do is I chain-plied this bobbin full of yarn that I had left over from Soar. It was essentially a bunch of different samplers from different fleeces that we had prepped in various forms all on one bobbin. So there's some targi on there. There's, you know, three different kinds of wool on there, some dyed wool, some undyed wool, all on one bobbin in a continuous thread. And I decided to chain ply it. And I have like this mini sore skein of yarn that came from Maggie's class. I'm going to see if it's enough to do anything with it. Probably not, but it's really cute. I bet I could make a hat out of it. I definitely think I have enough to make a hat. I was kind of hoping there was a cow, but I'm not that fast of a spinner. <laughs> and definitely not in a three play. That ate up a bunch of yardage. But I just did the chain fly and it made me super happy. So I mentioned that Gotland fleece. That is kind of the path I'm going to take on next. Probably while my Tanya is here, I will pick some beautiful braid or something that recently has come into my stash and then spin that on one of my spinning wheels, like traditional kind of spinning wheel. She talked about bringing her Hanson Craft mini spinner with her when she comes and maybe I'll spin on my hands and craft because I haven't done that in a while and just probably in the next week with through 
four ounces or five ounces from a beautifully dyed braid. Yeah. And that, my dear friends, is all I've got going in spinning my wheel. I am all spun up about GBBO. For those of you who don't know, that is the Great British Bake Off. I think that it used to be called the Great British Bake Off. Now, if you search for it, you can find it as the Great British Baking Show, or it's always been called that, but the actual competition is called the Great British Bake Off. Anyway, last winter, when Bird lived here, she got me hooked on watching this show. I really, really enjoy it. And we are on season 10, and we are watching the episodes as they are released. So we're just waiting for the final to come out. Actually, it should be released this weekend. I'm super excited about it. But let me tell you why I like this show. One, I like food. I like to eat it. Two, I do like to bake. I'm not much of a cook, like when it comes to preparing daily meals for my family. But I do like to bake. And I kind of always have. Usually it was just like pies and cakes and those sorts of things. But that show has made me want to branch out into a bunch of different things. Like this winter, I would like to tackle the baguette. I have yet to tackle the baguette because the baguette where I live is going to take a lot of accommodations, I think, for the high altitude where it's 6,800 feet. But anyway, I like watching that show because it's inspirational. It makes me look at all of these different possibilities when it comes to baking. Like... I would, like, I'm all about the hot dish. When I have to cook something, you can bet it's going to be a casserole of some sort. But I was just, so watching The Great British Bake Off has inspired me because essentially I could make a savory pie and that's just like a casserole, except it has a crust. And I believe that after watching the show, I could accomplish that successfully and feed my family. How cool is that? And that would, you know... That's the kind of thing that gives the boy days off from having to cook, which makes him very, very happy. I love that show because it's inspirational and it's a lot of fun to watch the competition. And lastly, it's very chipper, like everything about it, from the theme music to the hosts, the contestants. And of course, one of our favorite things is the emotional support comics. So it's two of the co-hosts. They have like the two professional bakers that actually do the judging for the competition and engage with the bakers. But then they also have two British comedians that walk around and talk to all the contestants and give them their time cues and things like that. And we like to call them the emotional support comics because they're often, you know, handing out praise and giving out hugs when needed and, you know, running for pastry brushes and that sort of thing. <laughs> so it's just a very chipper show and it makes me happy and we smile. And yeah, so sometimes when the weather gets dark and dim, I turn on baking because it makes me happy. And that's what's got me all spun up this week. The Great British Bake Off. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Another thing that I did this past week was I published a blog post, like I said I would, in support of my review of SOAR. So I published a review of the inspirational blending class I took with Dia Robinson. She is Twisted Urban on Instagram, and I took her inspirational blending class. And it was pretty fantastic. If you want to see all the details about that, you can catch that on the Forever Handmade blog, and I'll link to that in the show notes. And of course, the holidays are 
right around the corner. And I'm so happy that over the next week, all the family is going to be trickling in and I'll be able to spend some quality time with my Tanya, Itty Bitty and Bird. And it's going to be great. And I did find out today that the boys, brothers and their families are coming for New Year's. And that's pretty exciting because they haven't actually visited Colorado yet. So we're getting pretty excited about that. So I'm going to be leading us out this week with a song by Trampled by Turtles. I haven't picked the song yet, but I'm kind of going through their inventory and I'm going to pick a good one. It is new grass music. So I kind of love modern bluegrass and I call it new grass. I kind of like some old bluegrass too, but the new take just, you know, really gets my heart pumping and I really like the music. So when my mom broke her hip, like the middle of July, I actually had tickets to go see Trampled by Turtles at Red Rocks with my nephew and I didn't get to go because I was off in nowhere, Pennsylvania with my mom while she was healing. So yeah, that's what's got us leading out this week. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at shiloh at foreverhandmade.com and catch me on social media and Ravelry as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon. All of us lonely, it ain't a sin To want something better than the shape you're in The rain came at the break of day You're lying in the window, babe Said, come on in It's a broken heart, babe I know the sound Feels like your hands Are nailed to the ground It'll pass just like everything else